Welcome to another edition of the Apologist Bookshelf. I'm Gary Zacharias. Here's a book that I haven't uh, discussed before. It's called How We Got the Bible. The author is Neil Lightfoot, who is a distinguished professor of the New Testament at Abilene Christian University in Abilene, Texas. Strangely enough, in Abilene, Texas. <laughs> okay, so this book answers questions like, uh, how old are the earliest biblical manuscripts? And has the Bible been preserved and transmitted to us? Why do we have so many different translations of the Bible? How do early Christians decide which writings to include in the Bible? So these are really good questions. And I thought maybe what we could do is uh, take a look at a chapter called the Canon of the Scriptures. That's C-A-N-O-N, by the way. And they're saying, um, he, he starts off saying that, you know, there are a lot of religious books that were written during the Old and the New Testaments. And some got put in and were called uh, the right books and others were left off for whatever reasons. And his question is, which of the books rightfully belongs to the Bible? Which should have been excluded? And of course, the big question is, what are the grounds uh, upon which they decided accept this as scripture or reject it as scripture? And he said, that's these questions can be found in the study of what's known as the canon of the scriptures. And the word canon goes back to the Greek and even goes back further to the Hebrew. And the basic meaning is read, R-E-E-D. And we get the word cane from that. And sometimes they use reeds as measuring rods. So that word came to be, mean something like a, a standard or a rule, a, a measurement that measures up to the right height or right depth or whatever. So it was used as a standard or a rule, and then it began to refer to a list or an index. And when it's applied to the Bible, it's talking about the books that are considered as holy scripture. So if you hear somebody talk about canonical writings, they're speaking of the books that have been considered to have had divine authority and that make up our Bible. Now he says, uh, which I thought was interesting, he says there's a difference between a book being canonical and a book being authoritative. He said a book's canonicity depends on its authority. So Paul, for example, writes to the Corinthians, and a letter is acknowledged as possessing divine authority. That's in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. So the letter had authority from the minute he wrote it, but it wasn't canonical until later it was collected. People thought about it and discussed it and said, yeah, this is, this is definitely part of the uh, scripture. So it was called an accepted writing at that time later. So it was accepted because of its authority. So good point here. A book first has to have divine authority based on its inspiration, and then it becomes accepted and attains canonicity. And the key thing to remember here is that no church council by any decree can make a book of the Bible authoritative. The books of the Bible already have their own authority, and they had the, the authority way before there were any councils of the church. So the next section he gets into is the Old Testament. And he says, uh, by the time of Jesus, the canon of the Old Testament, he calls it the Old Covenant, had been fixed. And it says it can't be questioned that Jesus and the apostles would quote. And what were they quoting from? A distinctive body of authoritative writings. They called them the scripture. And that's in John 7.38, Acts 8.32, Romans 4.3. Sometimes they called them the scriptures, Matthew 21.42, John 5.39, Acts 17.11. Or Paul called them the holy scriptures. That was Romans 1.2. And um, also the sacred writings in 2 Timothy 3.15 and so on. 
And sometimes it starts off with, it is written, and then it talks about the, the verses. So that was scripture to them, but some were considered canonical, some of the books, but some were not. And Jesus gives a pretty good idea of what he considered to be in the Old Testament canon. In Luke 24, he talks about, quote, the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. So do you hear that three-part division there? The law of Moses, prophets, Psalms. And he said that's equivalent to the three divisions of the Hebrew scriptures that we know of today. The law, that's exactly what Jesus called them, the prophets, and the writings, which are not just the Psalms, but some other things as well. So Jesus later in Luke and in Matthew once spoke about the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, kind of like bracketing what he considered to be the beginning and the end of the Old Testament. So the first martyr of the Old Testament was Abel, and the last martyr was Zechariah, which is in Second Chronicles. Now you scratch your head and you say, wait a minute, Second Chronicles isn't the end of the Old Testament. You look through your index and uh, your list of books, you go, that's not the end. But you have to consider this, Chronicles was placed at the end of the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrews, the Jews, had a different order for their Old Testament. So what Jesus was saying was what scripture goes from Genesis to the end of all the books that are considered canonical today in the Old Testament to Chronicles. It's the same books that we have today. Well, he mentions that there are some scholars that said Jewish leaders met toward the end of the first century at Jamnia, that's in Palestine, near the coast of Palestine, and they determined the Old Testament canon. They said, you know, all we can be sure of is that discussions were held about certain books like Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon, but key thing to note here, the canon was fixed long before that, and discussions there did not admit certain books into the canon, but they just said, well, these two, especially Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, should stay. So they didn't bring in any new books at that time. Okay, then Lightfoot looks at uh, Josephus, which gives more evidence about what constituted the Old Testament canon. Josephus is quite a big name as far as uh, historians go. He was a Jewish historian in the first century. And uh, I won't read, they have a quote here from Josephus, but the point was the number of books that Josephus considered to have divine authority were 22. And you go, well, wait a minute, 22? I thought we had 39. But He said, Ruth and Judges were joined together, and everything from Lamentations, Jeremiah, that was put together, and the Jews enumerated their books differently. So the 22 books that Josephus mentioned are the same as the 39 that we have today. So if you ever come across that, 22 books, that's really our 39. And the division, Josephus says, is according to that three-part pattern, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. And he says the time that's covered in these books is limited. He believed it started with Moses to Artaxerxes, which is like 400 uh, B.C. So that's the idea the Jews have left with us, which said the prophetic inspiration ceased with Malachi. That's the period of Artaxerxes. And the text of these books is sacred. That's another point that Josephus brings out. Now, what about in the New Testament? What did they think? about the what Josephus said and about the Old Testament. No, it said Origen and Jerome, some of the early Christian writers. Let's take Origen, for example. He was in the 3rd century A.D. He counted 22 books. It's the same number of our 39. So here's how he did it. 1 through 5, those are the five books of Moses. 6 is Joshua. 
Judges and Ruth is counted as one. First and Second Samuel is another. Now we're up to eight. First and Second Kings, that'd be the ninth book they would consider. Chronicles, tenth. Ezra through Nehemiah is 11, Psalms 12, Proverbs 13, Ecclesiastes 14, Song of Solomon 15, Isaiah 16, 17 is Jeremiah to Lamentations, 18 is Daniel, 19 is Ezekiel, 20 Job, and 21 Esther, and then the Minor Prophets. So there you go, you got 22. So Jerome says very strictly, he said, the number of books in the Hebrew Old Testament can't be more than 22. That, that's it. So there you go. There's the Old Testament canon. What about the New Testament? How'd that come about? Uh, well, not long after the close of the apostolic age, you had New Testament writings that were being read among churches. How'd, how'd that happen? That's a pretty short period of time. Now you think about when the Church of Christ was first set up, it didn't have a thought about the, old, uh, about the New Testament. They first gathered up Paul's letters into a single whole, and then the four Gospels, and then gradually all the others followed. Now, that collection was made at different times in different places, so the contents were not always the same. So that's why, at first, when these New Testament books were, were gathered, they weren't all received just unanimously, and sometimes they didn't know who the author was of the book, like Hebrews, or they hadn't seen it because it wasn't in their area of the world. And he said that's actually more the exception than the rule. And gradually, each book, on its own merit, took its place into the canon. So now, if we go to the second century, we've got the uh, apostles' letters. They're going uh, out to everybody. And it's no later than the last half of that century that the lists of the New Testament books start appearing. So that's pretty quick. We're talking about the last half of the second century, so the, the 100s let's say. Well, one of the earliest lists is called the Meritorian Fragment. It's a second century witness to the canon. So here we are. We're not, we don't have to wait for the Council of Nicaea. That's kind of the skeptic's view today. Oh, you didn't have a New Testament canon until the 300s. You had the Council of Nicaea, and they sat around, looked at all these books, and they just kind of randomly picked some for the New Testament. That's not true at all. So that, let's take that Meritorian fragment. Now, it's a catch because it is a fragment. It's not the complete list. But it was discovered uh, in the 18th century. And some of the books are, it's not on a list because the list is missing some. <clears throat> it's uh, torn. But the Gospel of Luke is first, the first one mentioned by name, but it's called the third gospel. So guess what? What got torn off what's missing would probably be Matthew and Mark. And then he's got Luke. And he's got John, Acts, 13 letters of Paul, Jude, two letters of John, and Revelation. So that's pretty complete in the second century. The only thing that was not on his list would be Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, and question mark as far as Third John goes. But that's pretty close to what we have today. Now, the catch is that that fragment, the Meritorian fragment, accepts two books and puts them in there, Wisdom of Solomon, the Apocalypse, Apocalypse of Peter. But it says, some of our people don't want it read in the church. Okay, so even that, there, it's questionable as well. Let's go into the third century. So now we're in the 200s. Origen comes along, and he adds his list of New Testament books. And he wrote a lot of things, but we don't have all of it. But here's what we do know. Origen said there are four Gospels and only four. And guess what? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
and he commented about each of those. He accepted Acts, 13 letters of Paul, 1 Peter, now we've got 1 Peter in there, 1 John, Jude, Revelation. He's a little hesitant about Hebrews, James, 2 Peter, 2 and 3 John. He does quote from Hebrews, but he said there are some churches that don't accept it. Accept it. For 2 Peter, he said it's possibly from Peter, but it's disputed. And then uh, when he considers 2 and 3 John, he said, well, it could be a third, a second and third epistle, but not all consider those to be genuine. So there are a few reservations that he had, but it's pretty close to the Muratorian canon. Okay, so keep in mind, this is much like what we have today, but it's only in the 200s. Again, it wasn't the Council of Nicaea or anything like that, no church council. By the time you get to the 4th century, by the time you get into the 300s, everything is pretty well set up. Uh, Eusebius, which is a great church historian of the time, he said there are three categories of books. Ones that are universally acknowledged, those that are disputed, and then some that are rejected. So he says, what are the ones that everybody agrees on? The four Gospels. Notice how that never changed. There's always the four Gospels. Acts, 14 letters of Paul, 1 John, 1 Peter, and Revelation. And he says the disputed books would be James, Jude, 2 Peter, and 2 and 3 John. But he said they're recognized by the majority. And then in AD 367, you have Athanasius. He published a list of exactly the books that we have today, the 27. And Athanasius said, these are the springs of salvation. Let no one add anything to them or take anything away from them. So that's where it got all solidly fixed up. Now, there were some confusion, was a little confusion about some of the books, as you gathered. Uh, in some cases, the authorship was uh, in doubt, like Hebrews. Nobody knew exactly who wrote Hebrews. Uh, the book of James, I've heard uh, there's some initial uh, skepticism or questioning about that because it seemed to disagree with Paul regarding Acts, uh, whether you have to do things to be saved or not. I don't think that's what James was saying at all, but I'm just telling you that that's the, the problem there. In the second and third John, people were not so sure because of where it was uh, written. A lot of the other parts of the Roman world had not seen it or heard of it, so people were kind of scratching their heads. But they were not question because they taught some kind of different gospel. They just weren't well known. They weren't widely circulated. Now, there were some other books like the Epistle of Barnabas and the Shepherd of Hermas and uh, said they were never really put on a par with the apostolic writings, but they said they could be read for public worship and they're not divine. Uh, so sometimes, I guess, on Sundays they would actually read some of those. So here's the summary of what we've been talking about so far. So you got the word canon. That's the list of books that are divinely inspired or in the Bible. It was a gradual process, just as the books themselves came into being. They didn't all get uh, written down at one time. And by the time of Jesus, the Old Testament canon was well-defined. And everybody knew exactly what they meant by that. As far as the New Testament, not long after they were written, they were being read in the church assemblies. They were held in high esteem. And the words of Jesus and the apostles were no less authoritative than the Old Testament. And gradually the New Testament canon took shape. By the end of the second century, the essentials had pretty much been determined. And then by the next century or two, the New Testament books that we have today, everybody said those are the supreme authority. So again, his conclusion, Lightfoot's conclusion in this chapter, he says it's important to emphasize no church council 
made the canon of Scripture. No church, by some kind of decree, said these are the books that we're going to go for. No, the, the church didn't control the canon. The canon controlled the church. So the divine authority was attributed to the New Testament books, but the authority wasn't derived from the church. It was in the books themselves. So I think that's really crucial to remember. Anyway, this is a very nice book, very easy to read. It says over one million copies are in print. And uh, it's, it's a little bit older book, maybe 15 or 20 years old. So I bet you could find a used copy someplace. One more time, it's called How We Got the Bible. Neil Lightfoot, L-I-G-H-T-F-O-O-T, is the author of it. And it says, been around for a long time. It's considered a classic. It says, well-researched, accessible answers to a lot of questions. So that's something that you might want to consider getting a hold of. We need to know what's in the Bible and why are these books in the Bible? Well, have a good rest of your day, and thanks for listening. Let's do this again soon.